faith, hope, inspiration, and edification. Welcome to the Edify Podcast with Billy Hallowell, a show that cuts through the cultural noise to explore the biggest headlines and issues of the day. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, 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 what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Edify Podcast. I am super excited for this show today. Now, if you are not familiar with Edify, you've got to check it out. It's E-D-I-F-I. You can go to edify.app, or you can go into the App Store on Apple or Android to download the app. And what do you get on the app? You get thousands of Christian podcasts. So this is the Edify Podcast with Billy Hollowell. It's my official show with Edify, but there are so many other shows. Abby Johnson has Politely Rude, and I mean, there's just... Just countless shows that are on that app. So you want to download the app, check it out. Another great one uh, is Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond, all about faith and doubt, and so many other shows. So check that out, edify.app and edify on the app stores. Now I want to dive into some headlines before we get into our guest. And our guest today, just as a little teaser, is John Bevere. So I'm super excited to talk with him about his new book, about purpose, about faith, and so much more. But we got to talk a little bit about mental health. There's an amazing study out, and it's actually a sobering study uh, from Gallup, and it just came out a couple of days ago, but it's all about Americans' mental health right now. And unfortunately, this shouldn't come as too much of a surprise, but the ratings that people are giving themselves for mental health have sunk to a new low. And you go down all the metrics, and it's really sad. You kind of see a comparison between where people stood in 2019 and 2020, and you can find this over at Gallup.com. But the thing that was most fascinating to me, there were two groups of people who fared the best, meaning that they didn't experience any mental duress, at least according to their self reports things didn't change much uh, from 2019 to 2020 and again we we've got this you know pandemic going on and that has really affected people being locked inside being disconnected from family and friends and there's so much to this and so um, I want you to check that out check the story out over at gallup.com but the two groups that actually have the best ratings interestingly are Democrats and churchgoers now, Democrats, the the percentage of those um, basically rating their mental health as as good, uh, it it really didn't decline much, which was interesting. So I think it went down one percentage point between 2019 and 2020. But what was so interesting, people who attend religious services weekly, they were the only group to increase in in their you know mental health so they went from 42% of those who attend religious services weekly having you know an excellent mental health up to 46% in 2020. And so there's something there, right? Religious service, going to church, having that connection with people that seemed to actually help those people. Now, Democrats didn't go up. They just only went down one percentage point. But but weekly churchgoers went up four percentage points. People who go nearly weekly and monthly or seldom and never, they did not fare well. They actually went down. But those, again, who go weekly and have that connection to other people and, of course, to God, they 
had you know such a it was fascinating to go up four percentage points when nobody else did everybody else went down eight ten points 15 points and yet you've got the weekly church going again points to the fact that there's something there that going to church is quite beneficial for us and so that's that's an interesting story now there's another story over on faithwire.com that is worth checking out and it's really troubling on the free speech front. The The headline of this Faithwire story is Norway expands transgen- transgender hate speech law to include private comments in one's own home. Now, what this story basically says is that Norway's parliament has voted to expand the current law when it comes to hate speech against people who are transgender. Now, what this means is that people who say something in private about people who are transgender, they could actually go to jail for up to a year. Okay, they could face a fine or a year in jail. And if something is said in the public arena, they could get up to three years in jail. Uh, obviously, the concern with this is free speech. There is a major free speech concern, obviously. There are people who have issues with, I mean, the transgender issue is a controversial issue. People have very interesting perspectives on this, and to not be able to share those even in private, to criminalize that, obviously is is drawing some eyebrows up among free speech proponents. And so you can check that story out over at faithwire.com. Now, another story I've got to talk about is Reverend Raphael Warnock. He is the Democratic Senate candidate in Georgia, and he attracted a lot of attention this week. He tweeted that he is a pro-choice pastor, and obviously this did not go over well with a lot of Christians and a lot of people in the pro-life community. Now, he is a pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, and it's interesting because Elvita King, now she is Martin Luther King's niece, had quite a bit to say. Obviously, this is the church where Martin Luther King also preached, and yet you have this guy coming out and saying he's a pro-choice pastor. Now, here's what she had to say about this. Alvita said, quote, he's doing such a disservice to his own congregation, to the women and the men and the families, the children in his community. He should be giving them alternatives. There are better ways to live. Let me, as pastor of this church, help you so you don't have to kill a baby and hurt your own body. And so you can read more about that and actually watch a wonderful interview that was done between Trey Goins Phillips and Alvita King over at faithwire.com. And again, it's an interesting story because it involves the issue of abortion. It's a heated topic, and you have a pastor tweeting that he is pro-choice and really championing this side of things. And again, that, that doesn't go over too well with conservatives. Now, the Christian Post has an interesting report. Uh, it's over on uh, ChristianPost.com. 127 abortion clinics have closed since 2015. Uh, that is interesting. And that's a stat, I guess, a, a, a data point from the Abortion Care Network. So you can read a little bit more about that and get a little more data over at ChristianPost.com. And after the break, as soon as we get back here, we are going to welcome John Bevere to the show. Obviously, he's a preacher, a speaker, an author, and I am so excited to welcome him to the show. So let's take a break, and we will be right back with more of the Edify podcast. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. 
I am so excited to be back with more of the Edify podcast. Now, I'm about to welcome John Bevere to the show. If you're not familiar with John Bevere, you should be. He has been in ministry for decades, and what I love about people like John is that they have such a passion for the gospel. They continue on their path, in their work. Uh, for years, and it's such a hard thing to do. I think it's so easy to to forget how difficult it is being a pastor, how hard it is to work in ministry, and yet he's an international speaker, a best-selling author, and he really is bold. He takes an uncompromising approach to God's Word, and he and his wife Lisa are founders of Messenger International. So that is a, a ministry that actually equips people to be followers of Christ, to train other people to become followers of Christ all over the world. And so with no further ado, let's welcome John Bevere to the Edify podcast. Hey, John, how's it going today? Billy, I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. How's everything up in upstate New York? It's good. It's good. You know, I'm glad we're finally connecting. We have not actually connected before, and I've long admired your work. And I want to start, I want to get into Multiply, and I want to talk to you about that. But I have to ask you this, because you've been doing ministry for a long time. And when I, whenever I encounter people who have worked in ministry for decades, the first question I have is just, how have you continued to do ministry as well as you have? Because I feel like it's it can be challenging. It's totally challenging, and the enemy wants to take ministers out. There, make no mistake about that. Uh, but I would say the number one thing that I would advise everyone that's beginning in ministry, because I've been in ministry now over 35 years, wow. the number one thing is to pray for a baptism in your life of a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, I want to I want to make sure all of our viewer, or viewers and listeners understand what I'm saying. The fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God; it's to be terrified of being away from Him. The person who fears God takes his heart, loves what he loves, and hates what he hates. What is important to God becomes important to Him. What is not so important to God is not so important to Him. If you look at Moses, he said to the children of Israel. Do not fear because God's come to test you to see if his fear is in you. So Moses sounds like he contradicts himself, but he differentiates between being scared of God, which we don't want to be, and the fear of the Lord, which keeps us from sin. And so I would say at a young age, I cried out for the fear of the Lord, not knowing how important it was. Well, and it's interesting because it's this idea of reverence, which people, I feel like a lot of people in culture don't understand it. And even people inside the church, it's that you just explained it so well, the difference of you know being scared of God versus having that respect. And when I think through the relationship with my parents when I was a kid, right? And having that reverence of knowing that, you know, you, you need to stay in line and it's best for you to stay in line and your parents want what's best for you. And so I always think back to that when I try to talk to people who are critics of this and they view it as that be scared of God thing. Like they think that's what no. Christians are saying. And you no. did such a good job of explaining that just now. I love Thanks, that. Billy. I appreciate that. It's very important to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's huge. And I think it's it's actually one of the things that holds people back, I think, from understanding or even starting that relationship yeah. with God. And so you he had intimacy oh, with us. He wants to be close with us. Mm -hmm. So how can you be close with somebody that you're scared of? So it's definitely when you hear somebody preach on the fear of the Lord and it's all about being scared of God, run the other way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I know a lot of people like that. I mean, it's so easy to get trapped in that sort of mentality. And yet here you are, you've got a book called Multiply, and it's about 
purpose. And you also can't find your purpose without that connection either. I feel like the purpose that is really meant for you. So right. talk, talk to me a little bit about multiply. What was it that made you want to dive into this uh, subject matter? Well, Billy, I've wanted to write this book for years, seven years. And I'm actually really glad that because I made a covenant with God long ago, I wouldn't write a book unless he spoke to me. And for seven years, I've asked him. And last year, he said, write it without me even asking. And um, I'm glad because I feel like this is I'm 61 years old now. And I feel like this is the first book I've written with a father's heart. And the real the real heart of this book is I, I'm, I'm deeply grieved and troubled by a mindset that is in the American church today and actually almost the church globally. But I'm going to start off with a question. I'm going to ask our viewers, have you ever heard somebody say he's got a call of God on his life or she's got a call of God on her life? Where does our mind actually go when we hear that statement? Oh, he's called to be a pastor. She's called to be a worship leader. He's called to go be a missionary. That is so wrong to limit it to that. Every single person listening to us, Billy, has a call of God upon their life. And I open up the book with a story that really was an eye opener for me. A couple stories. Um, I was with one of our partners. He has given significantly, as you know, Messenger International, our ministry has given over 41 million resources to pastors and leaders in 226 nations and 111 languages. Wow. Well, this businessman had given significantly. And we had just gotten done with a round of golf and he opened up, he got vulnerable. He said, hey, he said, John, he said, I've busted my tail to, to build my net worth up to over $9 million. My businesses are so successful. He said, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I work over the decade of the 50s? Because he was just turning 50 to build my business, my net worth up to 35 million. And I, I knew it was a really important moment, Billy. And so I looked inside and the Holy Spirit gave me the answer. I said, all right, let me answer your question with a different scenario. Suppose I say I've gotten on planes. I've traveled to over 60 nations. I have uh, fought jet lag. I've eaten the craziest foods, fought different cultures, not fought, but experienced different cultures, lived in little 400 square box hotel rooms for 200 nights a year away from my family. You know, my wife's cared for for life. My children are cared for for life. Why should I write another book? Why should I get on another plane? He laughed and he said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus one day. I said, you just said the exact same words. And the smile left his face. And he said, what are you talking about? And he was actually a little perturbed. And I said, <laughs> look, every one of us has a call in our life. And with that calling comes gifts to accomplish that calling. And I said, my gifts are writing and speaking. That's obvious to you. I said, but you have not connected the dots with your gifts. And I said, you can do one of three things with your gifts. You can sit on them. You can use them to build just yourself. Or you can use them as intended to build the kingdom. And I said, to be truthfully honest with you, your gifts are actually more important than my gifts because the Bible says the parts that aren't seen are more valuable than the parts that are seen. And I said, you have an unseen gift. I have a seen gift. Well, that really radically changed his life. And he started viewing things from a totally different perspective. I'm going to tell you, Billy, one more quick story that just rivets me. And I love it. Th that was a great, first of all, I just want to say before you dive into that, what you just said is convicting to everyone because I think we tend to take our faith and put it over here and then whatever we're doing is over here. And yet that calling and that purpose, really those things should be merged, right? And finding that calling to do, wow. All right, anyway, that was really great. Go so ahead, go for your other story one. actually confirms what you just said. So a good friend of mine pastors a church of over 30,000 members and every year he does a leadership conference. And people come in from all around the country and it's always completely sold out before the conference starts. 
And he was walking through the sanctuary, this very large sanctuary, and he saw a very well-known medical doctor who was a member of his church. The doctor has an absolutely amazing um, uh, reputation in the city. And he, he rushed over to the doctor. He said, doc, doc, you shouldn't be doing this. We have volunteers and interns that, that do this. And the doctor rebuked my friend. And he did it respectfully, but he said, pastor, I take one week a year off my medical practice so I can build the kingdom of God. Please don't take this from me. It means so much to me. And Billy, I've cried. Just three weeks ago, I was doing a podcast and I started crying when I told this story. The reason I start crying is because that doctor, 51 weeks of the year, he sees himself in the secular. One week a year, he sees himself in the sacred. 51 weeks a year, he's earning a living. One week a year, he gets to build the kingdom. That is such a lie. And that causes him to lose his passion for life and building the kingdom. The reality is this. Most of our listeners see themselves, you know, 98% of the listeners don't work in vocational ministry. So 98% of our listeners have this temptation. When I'm at work, I'm in the secular. When I'm in the sacred, it's 90 minutes at church on Sunday. It's my 30-minute devotion in the morning. It's listening to a podcast like this. No, you are 24-7 in the sacred. God has uniquely called you. And I'm going to give you an example. And, and, and this is just, let me stop with this story. And then you could ask all the questions you want. No, I love, I'm here for it. Go for, I love this. This is Okay, great. so last year I was asked to meet with a multi-billionaire. And I was speaking at a very large conference in Dallas and the conference host said, hey, this multi-billionaire really wants to talk to you. And I said, is he legit? He said, yes. I said, I want to meet with him. So we sat down, had a three hour lunch. I'm supposed to minister to this guy, right? No, he ministers to me. This is what he said that grabbed my attention. He said, John, I was a floundering businessman. He said, I read every New York Times bestselling book uh, about, about corporations, about business, about the marketplace. He said, but I'm floundering. And he said, one day I'm sitting in church and I'm watching my, and he's from New Zealand. His wife's from Asia. He said, I'm watching my pastor preach. And the thought hits me. He's called to do that. And he depends totally on the Holy Spirit to do what he's doing right now. I'm called to be in the marketplace. Why don't I depend on the Holy Spirit? So he said, I got down the next morning. I got a pad, put it down. And I started asking the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? And he started telling me to do some very insignificant things very actually kind of strange things. And he said, I started doing it. Like one, one thing the Holy Spirit told him to do, it, he had to do it in an acquisitions meeting. And he said, John, it seemed insignificant, but I did it 20 times. He said, now I own 20 hospitals in Vietnam. And then he told me how he bought the second largest bank in the world. And it was crazier. And I'm sitting there mesmerized, Billy, by this man's testimony. And I'm thinking, this man has the same passion as Billy Graham. He has the same passion as Mother Teresa. Why? He connected his dots. God has uniquely gifted that man and every single person listening to us right now. And he discovered the purpose of his gifts. He discovered the purpose of his life. See, there's two things that are important with every individual. Identity. That's who we are in Christ, a child of God and purpose. But the problem is we can't fulfill our purpose in our own ability. So everybody listen to me right now. Everybody. I mean, don't miss what I'm about to say. As you can tell, I'm passionate because I care about you. Okay. So your calling that God placed on your life, whether it's in the marketplace, healthcare, it's in education, it's in media, it's in government. Your calling is beyond your natural ability. Mm. It's impossible for you to fulfill your calling in your own ability. 
Why, why, how do I know that? Because if God would have made your calling possible for you to fulfill in your own ability, then he'd have to share the glory with you. God said, I'm not sharing my glory with anybody. So God on purpose made your calling beyond your natural ability. So you'd have to depend on the supernatural gifting that he's placed in your life. But here's the deal. Most Christians think that gift that God's placed in my life, because every Christian has a gift or gifts, the parable of the talents makes it clear. That gift doesn't work automatically because you're a good sweet, kind Christian, because there is nobody more godly in the New Testament than Timothy. Paul wrote to the entire Philippian church and said, there is nobody more godly that I've ever met than Timothy. Yet Paul has to write to Timothy two times, two different letters and say, Timothy, your God-given gift is not operating. Stir it up. And you know why it wasn't operating? Because of lack of faith and because of an increase of timidity and fear. So this is the purpose of this book right now, COVID-19, right now, the racial tensions, the election is causing people to, to want to what? Withdraw, protect. But yet the king of kings, before he left, in relationship to our gifts in the parable of the talents said, occupy until I come. So Billy, I'm on a quest. I'm on a quest to wake up my brothers and sisters these people that I love so dearly and say, you have a unique gifting. Your gifting is actually more valuable than my gifting because I'm a seen gift. And we need you to not just be, I don't want to lighten this, not just be godly Christians like Timothy, but that you actually stir up the gift. This is Paul was a father to Timothy. He was passionately saying, stir up the gift. And that's what I'm saying to the church right now. Because if we all get to work, if you have a body that only 10% of it is working, you call it an invalid. But if we all get to work, we have a now a body of Christ that is fully functional, and we're going to get this work done so much quicker. And we're going to help a nation that's in desperate need right now. So I'm sorry. You, no, do not be sorry. A, you are like my favorite person to interview ever because you make my job so easy, which I love. Thank you for that. And two, no, I mean, that was amazing. And you're, you're ministering to me. I mean, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, you know, I think for a lot of people, every vocation, right. And what I love what you're saying is that no matter where you are figuring out our mission for our purpose first, I think, I feel like a lot of us, we go, we take a job, we do a job. Like you were saying, it's totally separate. And then we try to figure out where does God fit? And most of the time in my career, what I've found is that the times that I'm at my best and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be and I'm doing what God wants me to do is when I've gone to him first and I haven't just tried to make something happen. I mean, I can't tell you books, things that I've done. I go out and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And usually it's not a pure intention. It's an intention about myself, right? I'm going to give glory to myself or I know for some people it's money for themselves, whatever it is. And, you know, I've tried to, in my own life over the last year or two, really pivot to what you're talking about. But the things you're speaking on are even convicting to me as I'm thinking through, you know, every single thing and then teaching our kids that too, right? I mean, I, just, I was just writing a blog this morning about, you know, legacy for children and how do we build a biblical worldview in kids. And I'm thinking everything you're talking about, we can tell our kids those things, but if we're not living it, what's the point? Like they're not, kids look at, they look to their parents to see how we're living and what we're doing. And so that was convicting to me writing that and then hearing what you said just now um, really helps bring that together. So let me ask you this, because you brought up at the, at the end there, the fact that our country really is <laughs> in bad shape to say the least. And I think our world really is obviously as well. I see so many people, even in the church, I mean, you look at suicide, opioid addiction, this, there's so much going on. I don't want to oversimplify those things, but at the core of a lot of this 
it seems like this purpose in who we are and the lie of you don't matter, you don't matter, you know, you, nobody cares about you, nobody loves you, you don't have a purpose that seems to be running rampant right now. Right. Why do you think that? I mean, your book couldn't come at a better time, but why do you think that is? Okay, um, I believe because for so long we have made it to where the people that are really serving God are people like you, Billy, or pastors, or when, and, and, and because people have not connected the dots with their purpose, they've lost strength. And when you lose strength, you're easily tempted. You want to take your life. Jesus made this statement. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Now, food nourishes us. It gives us strength. In my 40, over 40 years of walking with Jesus, the number one reason, I'm going to shock some of you, the number one reason I've seen people backslide, lose passion, become uh, lukewarm, is because they lost the value of their purpose. They stopped laboring in what God had called them to do. Now, if I'm constantly hit with the subliminal or direct message that you're just a school teacher, or you're just an ER nurse, or you're just a this, and you know you can serve God if you come help us on Saturday morning with the drive. I'm so furious with that because now you're not walking into the emergency room realizing God has sent you in there and you have the supernatural gifts in order to be able to what? Win people. You know, Daniel distinguished himself, not in the church, but in the government offices of the number one nation in the world. And he wasn't trained by their leaders, teachers, and scientists, whereas all the other leaders were, but he was coming up with ideas nobody ever thought of. And that's why Daniel 6.3 says that he distinguished himself among the government leaders of Babylon because he had an excellent spirit. So Billy, I'm waking up people to the fact that you, every morning as you go to the hospital, to the doctor's office, to the classroom, to, to the factory line, you have a purpose and you also have supernatural gifts, but those gifts won't work unless you believe. And that's why in the book Acts, and this is what it looks like, um, I want to I wanna identify your gifts, and, and this is what I believe the Holy Spirit will do. Then develop your faith to operate in your gifts. So you develop them, and then, most importantly, which we haven't even discussed, to multiply your gifts. I love that. I love that. And I know we are inching towards the end of our time, and you started to just kind of go into that. And I think that's so important. When it comes to the multiply piece, what is the biggest thing you're hoping readers take away? So if you look at the parable of the talents, it's about the talents of our giftings. God has given every single person in the body of Christ these supernatural giftings. They're actually his abilities. In the parable, the, the two people that multiplied, well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful. There's nothing else that they did in that parable except multiply. So Jesus directly equates multiplication and faithfulness together. So one of the biblical definitions of faithful is to multiply. God put man on the earth. His first command is be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't just saying have babies. He's saying anything I put in your hands, return it back to me, multiply, because we're stewards of anything he gives us. If you look at the person that maintained, he was called wicked and lazy. Now, our mentality is I got my little business. We're making ends meet. We're going to church on time. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm faithful. No, according in your labor, according to that parable, you're lazy. And so... This is why we have a problem and a disconnect. Nobody has told you that God wants you 
to have the ability to multiply. Now you may say, this is gonna put pressure on me. No, if it puts pressure on you, you're missing the whole message. The pressure goes on the ability and the gifting that he's placed upon your life. The apostles were frustrated and they cried out to Jesus, what do we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, all you have to do is believe. What this will do is develop faith in your heart to multiply and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Well, listen, this has been amazing. Um, I know we, we can get the book wherever books are sold, but is there a particular place you'd love for people to go to connect with you to grab copies of the book? Okay, so they can go to johnbevere.com. It's just like severe, except it's a B, B-E-V-E-R-E. -E. I love I it. Oh my gosh. Oh, anyway, that's great. But you know what? Amazon is also a really quick and easy way to get a book. And I feel so urgent about this. I know it's more beneficial for us when they go to johnbevere.com. But Billy, to be honest with you, I mean, we're going to give millions of this books away in the next 12 months to pastors and leaders overseas. So, I mean, I'm not trying to sell a book. I mean, God, like I said, God is taking care of us. We're so excited. But we want to make sure that we create a movement of the body of Christ waking up so we can get this job done. I love it. Well, thank you. This is such a needed message right now and in this season in this country for every single individual. So I appreciate you sharing it with us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Billy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so honored. That was John Bevere and really just a wonderful word for us to be thinking about right now in this era where we are. I think so many of us are looking for purpose right now. We're feeling disconnected and yet finding that connection with Christ and figuring out what God wants for us and how we can be a part of making the world a better place and not just a better place, but a better place for Jesus and reaching hearts and souls for him. And so, so appreciate having John on. And listen, I would love to also put a little quick shameless plug-in uh, for my book, Playing With Fire, a modern investigation into demons, exorcism, and ghosts. I'd love for you to check that out. I know it sounds a little wild, it sounds a little crazy, but it's honestly a passion project of mine to start a conversation about a topic, spiritual warfare, that the church doesn't often talk about. And I am not a minister, right? But I talk about this as in the book as a person who is a journalist who wants to understand the issue and who talks with people who really have a great grasp on it. So please check it out. It's playingwithfirebook.com. You can get it wherever books are sold and also on Amazon. And I'll be talking more about it on the show very soon. But please, please, please be sure to tune in next week. Subscribe, 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 write great reviews. Head over to edify.app. Edifi.app to listen and make sure you download Edify in the App Store and tell everybody you know about it. Spread the word. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week for another episode of the Edify Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Edify Podcast. For more transformational and faith inspiring podcasts, head over to Edify.app where you can stream thousands of Christian shows right now. And for convenience on the go, download the Edify Podcast app today from the Apple and Google Play stores and at Edify.app.